Father, thank you so much for your grace, for your love, uh, for, your, for being a God who saves. We just give you praise this morning, and I really do love this building that we can look out of these picture windows and see your beautiful creation, a beautiful sunrise, uh, the peaks of mountains in the distance, um, you know, even just the, the beautiful desert landscape. And we praise you for being a God of beauty who is uh, sovereignly in control over everything, over our lives and over all of creation, and we praise you for that. I pray this morning as we look at this topic of prayer and practical Christianity, communicating with you as God, I ask that you'd open our eyes, that you would open our hearts, that you would enlighten us, that the words of your scriptures would pop out at us and become real, and that it wouldn't just be this uh, 50-minute experience here on a Sunday morning, but that you would change our hearts as we go into the rest of our week. And it's in your name that we pray these things. Amen. We've been going through this series called Practical Christianity, just trying to understand how our faith is relevant to our daily lives. You know, we're, we're not, uh, I remember hearing the phrase Sunday Christian for the first time when I was in like junior high school. You know, this idea that there are people who go to church, but that's sort of where it ends for them. And for us at Maricopa Springs, our goal is to make our, our belief in God, our faith in Jesus Christ as Savior, relevant and practical to our daily lives. I think it is a life-changing understanding. And, and so how do we translate that uh, idea into our daily life? So this morning I want to talk about how to communicate with God, how to talk to God, um, which is really sort of an informal way of saying how to pray. Okay, And I think a lot of people who call themselves, this, this is an area of difficulty for me, I'll be honest. I struggle with prayer. I, I think I've said here before that I have ADD. It's real hard for me to sit still. It's real hard for me to be intentional in prayer. It's something that I have to put a lot of effort into. And I think, like me, there's a lot of people who call themselves Christians who suffer from what I'm going to call T.O. syndrome. Okay, when it comes to prayer in their relationship with God. Let me unpack this a little bit more. Maybe you've heard of Manti Teo. Maybe I'm mispronouncing the name. Teo. What? Teo? Manti Teo. Okay. Thank you for the correction. If I butcher it, forgive me. Um, he's the linebacker at uh, Notre Dame uh, who was originally famous for being an incredible athlete. Okay, I don't follow college football myself, but uh, he's recently gained some notoriety, and this is how I came to encounter his name. In the news, when people found out that this girlfriend that he had had for roughly a year was totally made up. Okay? And if you haven't heard, you're sitting there, you're like, what? I don't understand. I don't either. Um, somehow this guy thought that he was in a relationship with a girl that he supposedly talked to on a daily basis and he was in love with, and yet he wasn't. I mean, there, there just was no relationship. This girl did not exist. I guess it was some elaborate hoax, which is very bizarre. And, and uh, my research into the whole thing didn't get all that deep because, again, it's just crazy and weird, and uh, I, I don't understand it. But the point is this. You have this college kid who somehow became convinced that he was in a relationship that he wasn't actually in. Okay, And I call this Teo syndrome, and I think a lot of people who call themselves Christians are in the same type of relationship with God, where you are in fact a Christian, you, you love Jesus, you're trying to live your life like him, but the simple reality is that there's no relationship. Okay, um, and, and the reason why there's no relationship is because there's no dialogue, there's no conversation, there's no communication, there's no intimacy. You know, it's, it's sort of more just a, a religious experience that you have or that you do, that you engage with, okay? And so with Teo syndrome, you may actually be a Christian. You, may, you, you, you just don't have a whole lot of communication with God in reality, 
Okay? And, and if I can sum it up, your prayer life just stinks. I mean, that's kind of the way it is. Uh, but I, I, I want to say that a strong, healthy, vibrant prayer life is essential to being a practical Christian. It's essential. It's essential to experiencing the power of the Holy Spirit, which is what we talked about last week. And if you missed it, I think it ties in great with our topic for this Sunday. So you can pull it off of our website. But uh, it, it's essential. It's essential to having a relationship with God. You, you have to be in prayer. You have to be in communication with God. It's essential to knowing God and to persevering in your pursuit of Jesus. And I would say effective communication is, uh, is as crucial in our relationship with God as it is in any relationship. Okay? Nobody lives life totally isolated. And so we all know from experience that in order to have a healthy relationship with somebody else, there has to be communication, right? If you don't communicate with somebody, the simple truth is you don't have a relationship with them. I was, I was thinking about this with my buddy Scott. I mean, he, he and I have been friends for, since high school. You know, one of the closest guys that I have in my life. And I realized that I, as much as I love this guy, I don't actually have a relationship with him anymore because I only talk to him like once a year. And every, ta- every time we talk, it's wonderful. Don't get me wrong. It's an amazing uh, hour on the phone. But the truth is there, there really isn't a relationship there because he and I don't communicate. <laughs> Okay? And if you don't communicate with God, it's truly questionable whether you actually have a relationship with him. Uh, but let me say again, I think communicating with God is difficult. Prayer is difficult. I'm going to give you that. Okay, I, I understand that. I can relate to that. So again, the goal this morning is for us to look at some kind of practical ways that this can, uh, that we can improve in our prayer life, that we can improve in the ways that we communicate with God. Um, so that hopefully we don't have to suffer from Teo syndrome anymore, okay? We don't have to have that be kind of our Christian experience. Let's start by looking at Psalm 62.8, and I'm going to jump all over, so this is why I really encourage you to have the message notes, um, even if you're the type that likes to bring your own Bible. Um, grab those message notes, because uh, unless you're really proficient in flipping pages, it's going to be probably tough to stick with us this morning. Psalm 62.8. I think it gives us some wonderful insight into the kind of relationship we have with God. It says, trust in him at all times, O people. Pour out your heart before him. God is a refuge for us. And it's just one sentence, but I think this verse has so much wisdom crammed into it for those of us who are looking to deepen our communication with God and grow in our prayer life. Okay? It reminds us, first of all, that God is trustworthy. He's trustworthy. Again, those of you who have relationships with other people, you've come to realize for a lot of people that's not the case. I mean, the normal human experience is that, unfortunately, a lot of times people are not trustworthy. But God is It says that at all times he is present, supporting this relationship that we have with him. He's trustworthy. It tells us that we can be honest. We can pour out our hearts to God. And in fact, um, this is actually an imperative sentence, okay? I'm a college dropout, so I don't really remember all that much about my English uh, literature studies. But that word imperative, the imperative sentence structure, it means that it's a command. It's something that we're, we're called to do, to pour out our hearts to God. Hey, Ron, real quick, do you mind just killing Monitor 2 for me? Thanks. Sorry, guys. Um, And then we're told that God is a refuge for us. He supports us. He protects us. He gives us shelter from the storm and rest in the weariness. That's the role that he plays. 
Um, I have this friend in, in uh, a friend that I knew in college who emailed me recently, and he asked me, he actually emailed me yesterday, he asked me for prayer, and he told me that he's going through some really tough stuff in this graduate program that he's going through, some real uh, ridiculous interpersonal relationship stuff, and part of what he feels he needs prayer for is that he actually doesn't feel supported by his spouse in the midst of this difficulty. And I immediately thought of this verse. Because we're reminded that God is a... That's all right. We're still working out some of the bugs. We're reminded that God is a refuge, okay? He will never fail to support us, no matter what we go through, the trials and the difficulties that this life brings. God is never going to fail us in that. And and this uh, again, the, the unfortunate reality is sometimes our spouse will, okay? As much as you may love them, as supportive as they may be, they may fail you at times, but God will never, ever fail us. Okay, so we start to lay in this verse a foundation for open communication with God. Prayer. We have to understand that God desires a relationship with us. He pursues us. And then we're encouraged, I believe, throughout all of the Bible to trust in him to turn to him, to pour out our hearts to him, to come to him for shelter because he's our refuge. He's not some distant God. He's present. You know, even my conversation with Aiden last night was, yes, God will protect you. And Jesus is actually here with you in this room right now. He's not distant. He's near. And so I think if you, if you don't understand this foundational principle, you really come to a dead end in your prayer life if you don't get this stuff first. Because without this foundation, prayer is really just sort of this monotonous religious, religious routine where you kind of check it off, but it doesn't change anything because you don't understand how desperately God desires this relationship with you, that he's trustworthy, that he desires for us to pour out our hearts to him. So if we grasp this idea first, then uh, we understand we're invited to pray, we're invited to communicate with God, then I think we can move to the benefits of prayer. And let me cover these. Psalm 34, 4. The psalmist writes, I sought the Lord and he answered me and delivered me from all my fears. This is why I I absolutely love the Bible, why I constantly encourage you to to read it. Okay, And, And this is the benefit of prayer here. He writes, I sought the Lord, I prayed, I pursued him, I poured out my heart to him, like the other verse that we just looked at. And the promise of the benefit here is is twofold, okay? First of all, God answered. How incredible is that? How amazing to know that the all-knowing, all-powerful, everywhere-present God of all things answers our prayer. He doesn't just let us talk to ourselves in the dark. Okay? He, he listens, he answers, he hears us, he responds, and he desires to have that kind of relationship of prayerful communication. And the second promised benefit is that God delivers us from our fears. Again, like my son Aiden, right? Knowing that God will protect him, he's delivered from the fear of shadows and spiders. Um, I, I, just another example from home. I, the other day I was lighting off firecrackers in my backyard, don't know why, Friday morning I had a little bit of time before work and I was pulling weeds and then Aiden was like, let's light off some fireworks. So I did. And, um, I, and my daughter, Karis, freaked out. And she was frightened of the noise, she was frightened of the light, frightened of, of the whole experience. And so what did she do? She ran to me 
She ran to me to find protection from her fear. She ran into my arms. And my experience of being there for her was to alleviate her fears. And this verse tells us that God doesn't just alleviate our fears like a child runs to their father when they're afraid. He delivers us from our fears, which is so much beyond just taking away the fear. He takes away the problem. He delivers us from our fears. And again, how good to know that the all-powerful, all-knowing, triumphant God of all things promises to take away our fear. I imagine there's some people who are sitting here this morning and you're terrified. I don't know what it is, what the future holds, the, the dollar amount in your bank account, the illness that you've recently been diagnosed with. It could be a myriad of things, but how good to know that God takes away our fears. And we seek him in prayer and we seek him in relationship and, and we communicate with him and he answers and he delivers us. Ephesians 3.20, I think, takes this reality to the next level. It says, now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think, according to the power at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. This verse says that God will not only answer us and relieve us from our fears and anxieties, but that he's going to accomplish even more than we could think to ask for. And, and this is from a God who stands outside of time. He is not constrained by the same experience of progression of reality that we are. And he promises to do far more abundantly than we in our puny perspective could even think to ask. And I'll, I'll be honest, listen here, I don't understand how this works. Okay, I really don't. But it's very clear from this verse that, that there's this tremendous benefit from having a vibrant prayer life with God. We come to him with our prayers, and he promises to do more than we could think to ask him to accomplish. Again, let me say it one more time. How incredible to know that the all-powerful, all-knowing, sovereign Lord of all things is capable to take the circumstances of our lives and work them for good, beyond the power that we would even think to ask. So, quick recap. So far, we've learned that in order for us to have open communication with God, we have to understand that we're invited to do so. It's an open invitation. God desires us to do that. And we have to grasp that there's a benefit for us, that there's some benefit we will reap from having a vibrant prayer life, from communicating with God. And we also need to know that communicating openly with God has some conditions. Moving on to the next section of your notes, let me, let me outline these for you. Psalm 66.18. Again, the psalmist says, If I had cherished iniquity in my heart, the Lord would not have listened. And if, if you want a wonderful treatise on prayer, read Psalms. I mean, the, all of Psalms are basically just communication with God. And it will change your prayer life. I believe that. But this verse, if I had cherished iniquity in my heart, the Lord would not have listened. This is why I come down pretty hard on tolerating sin in our lives. I mean, if you stick around Maricopa for any period of time, you're, you're going to hear me address that. Okay? It's not something that we should skirt over. The psalmist makes it very clear. God does not turn his ear to those who are living lives of unrepentant sin. 
That is a barrier to relationship with God. Okay, this does not mean that when we sin, God's not going to listen to us. Okay, we have confidence that even when we sin, God will listen to us and forgive us and welcome back into relationship with him. We're not excommunicated for blowing it. Okay, but what this does mean is that we have no right to expect God to hear and answer our prayers when we habitually choose sin in our lives over choosing God and over choosing God's way and righteousness and holiness. Okay, so we have to work to eliminate sin in our lives and we have to work to ask God for forgiveness of that sin. Then moving on to Matthew 21, 22. Condition number two, and whatever you ask in prayer, you will receive if you have faith. The implications of this verse are incredibly huge. I mean, God expects us to have faith in him, to trust in him, to trust and believe that he is capable of accomplishing anything. Which can be tough to do sometimes, right? When you're standing in the trough of life and you look up at the insurmountable hill in front of you, it can be pretty tough to believe and trust that God is capable of, of, of accomplishing anything, of overcoming that obstacle. And, and as I was writing my message, I wanted to put some caveat in here to make this a little bit more understandable and palatable because this is sort of one of those mind-blowing statements that Jesus makes. But how can I add words to what Jesus says? That would be incredibly arrogant and foolish of me to try. Okay? It's pretty simple and straightforward. When you pray, pray and ask in faith with the understanding that God can accomplish whatever you ask him. He truly can. I mean, if you're praying for healing from some sort of illness or disease, God is capable of curing you of that. If you're praying for grace in the midst of some sort of heartache, God is capable of giving you that grace. If you're praying for patience in the midst of a situation that seems like it's just going to cause you to go off, God is capable of giving you patience. He is capable of overcoming those things. Truly, he is. But I also want you to understand that just because you ask does not mean that he's obligated to do it. Okay? He knows all things. He knows what is truly good for you. He knows what you need. So he may or may not do what you ask him to do. But he's certainly not going to do it if you don't believe he's capable of doing it. That's a guarantee. Now the final condition to prayer that I want to submit for your consideration is found in 1 John chapter 5, verses 14 through 15. Let me read it says, and this is the confidence that we have towards him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we have the request that we have asked of him. I think this ties in really well with the previous condition. God is not some cosmic vending machine where we pray and he spits out the desired results. Okay? But some people approach him like that. And I think in order for us to truly have a deep and meaningful relationship with God, we have to want what he wants. If there was one thing from this message that I want you to take home, that, it would be that sentence right there. Let me say it again. In order for us to truly have a deep and meaningful relationship with God, we have to want what he wants. Again, God is our good heavenly father who wants good things for us. Sometimes they don't come quite the way that we expect them to come. But we have to want what he wants. 
He's good. He's God. He's our creator. He's our father. He wants what's best for us. He wants to give us what's best for us. And shouldn't we want what is best for us? And this means that a condition for truly vibrant prayer life, for truly vibrant communication with God, is not coming to God asking him for whatever our heart desires. Okay? God is not a genie in the bottle where we like rub the Bible and then he just grants us wishes. What it means is that we seek to know what God wants for us and then we ask him to accomplish his will in our lives so that we might have more of him. That, I think, maybe I'm not doing a very good job explaining it, but that is a radically different way of looking at prayer. Asking God to tell us what his will for our lives is, and then approaching him saying, God, I want what you want. And that's more of you. That's a deeper relationship with you. And so in my prayers, grant my prayers, not because I get what I want, all these insignificant things, but so that I get more of you. And the more you know God, the more you know his will. I believe the more you're going to desire to ask him to accomplish his will and not your petty requests. I mean, praying to win the lottery seems like a really, really foolish prayer once you understand how much more satisfying God is than an eternally worthless pile of money. I mean, God is eternally satisfying. Money is temporarily satisfying. And while lottery is a big silly thing, think about the other things that we pray for. And think about how much more satisfying God is than whatever that thing we may be asking for is. And so we pray for God's will to be done, not our imperfect, nearsighted will. We pray for his will to be accomplished because that's in our best interest. Okay, I'm going to wrap this up by giving you what I believe is sort of a formula for effective communication with God. Those of you who have been around for a while know that you know that I say wrap this up and then I go for like 15 more minutes. (laughs) So give me a little bit of time here. I want to give you this this sort of formula for effective communication with God. I thought about jokingly calling it Grady's Seven Steps to Successful Prayer. But but maybe I'm a little bit too um, jaded to actually say that. So... Here's, here's, here's what I call just a formula for effective prayer with God, okay? And I've got some application questions for you at the end. I want you to be thinking about one or two of these things that would enhance your communication with God, that would improve your prayer life, that would cause you to be able to leave behind Teo syndrome and really have a deep, meaningful relationship with God, okay? 1 Thessalonians 5.17 says, Pray without ceasing. This is one of those verses that I kind of like to skip over that I sort of don't like because when I read it, I'm like, oh man, I'm such a terrible human being. I don't pray enough. I should just quit my job and stay home all day on my knees in prayer and supplication, right? That's not what it means. So let me clarify. Uh, Prayer is not something that we do. It's a lifestyle that we strive for. It's not just something we do. It's a lifestyle. And and the only way that we can do that effectively is to learn how to incorporate a constant conversation with God into our daily lives, which is totally doable. And it looks like this. I think it would be exhausting if we tried to have a prayer life that was praying without ceasing, if praying was just asking God to do stuff for us. Okay? It really would. I mean, think about it. After like 10 minutes, you'd be like, geez, I'm so tired of this narcissistic prayer. And, and so that's not what prayer is. 
Which leads me into kind of the second ingredient for effective communication with God. Prayer is praise. Prayer is praise. All prayer should start with praising God for who he is and what he's done. If we begin to look at prayer like this, first and foremost, then all of a sudden it actually is maybe possible to pray without ceasing, right? I think we have no business asking God to accomplish more miracles in our lives if we can't remember the miracles that he's given us in the past, the good things that he's provided for us, the ways that he's worked in our lives, even the simple pleasures that he gives us from day to day. We've got no business asking him to accomplish more things if we can't first give him praise and adoration for what he's already done. Hebrews 13, 15 says, Through him, Jesus, then let us continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to God. What is it? Well, that is the fruit of lips that acknowledge his name. Let's praise God for for the life that he's given us. For the fact that we have all five of our senses. For the beautiful sunsets that we get to see every single day. For grace in the cross of Christ. Let's praise him for the beauty that we see around us. For music. For all the good things that God has given us. For delicious food, okay, that's one that I maybe praise him for a little bit too much. For pleasant memories that we have from the past, let's, let's play, praise him for sleep at the end of a long day. Praise him for family and friends and a church filled with people who care. The church that is his bride. Let's give him praise through song, for stars, for galaxies, for universe, for the scientific method that's opened up all of our eyes to these incredible wonders around us. I mean, let's worship and praise his name for for blessing us with the understanding of what is true in Christ Jesus, for the assurance of his unchanging and perfect character. I mean, that's a short list. If you spend an hour, you could come up with an overwhelmingly long list. There is so much to praise and worship God for. And I believe that all prayers should start with that kind of adoration for who God is. I think it would change our prayer life if if we started praying without ceasing. By looking around the world, looking at our life and our experience and saying, God, there's so much to give you praise for. Even in the midst of difficulty and heartache. And when you wander through life constantly aware of these things, looking for them and and acknowledging them, it becomes very easy to pray without ceasing. There's literally a world of things to give God praise for. Okay, number three, third. We we move to communicating to God from there all of the things that we're thankful for. There is a distinction here between giving God praise for who he is and what he's done and thanksgiving in our prayer. Uh, Because we're specifically looking into saying thanks for the things that God has done for us. Okay, This is where we look specifically at our lives. This means that we pour out our gratitude from our hearts that God saved us. That we're redeemed. That he provides for us each and every day. I mean, I don't think we understand, you know, most people pray before their meal. But after doing Feed My Starving Children a couple weeks ago, I don't think we understand how amazing it is that we can run to McDonald's and buy a Big Mac for like two bucks. I mean, the fact that we even have two dollars to buy a Big Mac is something that we should give God so much thanks for. Most of the world lives on less than a dollar a day. Okay, So every piece of food on your table is God's provision for you. And we should be filled with gratitude through prayer. 
He fills our lives with joy and pleasure. I mean, even in the midst of the heartache. Have you seen a good movie recently? Have you listened to a good song? Have you enjoyed the sunshine on your back? I mean, even in the midst of difficulty, God gives us good things. He fills our lives with joy and pleasure. And we should be thankful that we're promised his presence through the Holy Spirit in this life and eternally. So, so I think number three is we allow our hearts to be overwhelmed with joyful thanksgiving to God. And again, one, once you look at prayer that way, it suddenly becomes not all that difficult to pray without ceasing. It's not on your knees in your office all day, every day. It's just constantly being aware of God's presence in your life and his goodness to provide and being thankful for it. All right, Ephesians 5, 19 through 20 says, Through singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart, give thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. These are really the two things that I just mentioned, praising God through prayer and thanking God through prayer. And that's why we sing songs here at Maricopa Springs. Okay, it's because we love to give God praise and to be thankful. And that's why you don't have to be ashamed at belting it out. Okay, go stand next to the speaker. Nobody will hear you. It's okay. You can praise God. We won't judge you for it. And, and singing is a prayerful act of worship, communicating to God how much we value him, why he's so precious and amazing to us. Moving on to number four, prayer requires confession. I, I touched on this briefly, but Psalm 38, 18, I confess my iniquity. I'm sorry for my sin. What a simple, simple statement to bring into prayer. And, and as I mentioned, there's really no better place to get a comprehensive understanding of prayer than through the Psalms. I mean, Psalms is just a, one huge communication with God. It's filled with prayer. One giant prayer demonstration And in this snapshot, I think we see that we prayerfully communicate with God by confessing our sin. We acknowledge our sin before him. We allow him to cleanse us and forgive us. And again, guys, you can't truly be in a relationship with someone if there's no effort to seek forgiveness and reconcile wrongdoing. It just doesn't happen. The relationship ends. My fifth ingredient for effective communication with God is that we pray for others. I hope this is meaningful. I know that I'm not, I'm not weaving it all together very beautifully. It's kind of like start and stop. But hopefully it's still meaningful. 1 Samuel 12, 23. It says, Far be it from me that I should sin against the Lord by ceasing to pray for you. Now this is one that, uh, that I often find heavy on my heart as a pastor leading a ministry. I mean, far be it from me that I would sin against God by not praying for you. And, and the same, I think, is true for all believers. When we communicate with God, we find that our hearts are genuinely moved for those around us who are going through difficulty. We desire to pray for them. And so we should. The Bible tells us to pray for one another, pray for health for each other, pray that God would raise people up to spread the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And, and so in a Christian community, we should be praying for each other. That's why I ask you to write down those prayer requests. And maybe we need to bring back our time of community prayer, which we used to do. Where together, in, in community, in our service, we would close our eyes and pray for people in our church. Number six, 
We pray for ourselves. Finally. Some of you were like, man, are we ever supposed to pray for ourselves? I got here eventually. James 1.5 encourages us to pray. It says, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him come and ask God who gives generously to all without reproach and it will be given to him. Now the reason why I put this last is because we're, we're much more likely to approach God in humility and without this gimme, gimme, gimme type prayer attitude if we've communicated to him all the other things first. I mean, if we spend time giving him adoration for who he is and what he's done, thanksgiving for the ways in which he's blessed us, if we prayed for other people and recognized their needs, if we've confessed our sins, and then we come before God to pray for ourselves, there's a totally different perspective isn't there? And, and notice the nature of this prayer in James. It's not a prayer that asks God to take away the difficulties of our current circumstances. In fact, it's totally the opposite. If you read the first couple verses of James, it says, consider it pure joy, my brothers, when you face trials of many kinds. And it goes on to talk about the benefits that we reap from experiencing trials. And then he says, if you lack wisdom, pray. For so long, I thought that that was like a totally different idea, that somehow there should be like a large paragraph space between those two ideas. And then I came to realize, we, we pray for ourselves, we learn to pray for the right things the more that we pray. We don't pray that God will take away the trial and the tribulation because it produces perseverance. It produces character. We pray that God will give us wisdom to work through those trials. We grow through those trials. And so we learn to pray for the right things. Again, the things that God's will desires for us, not just our own. So I think that this is maybe like an overly simplistic recipe for a, a vibrant prayer life. But I, if, if you're not implementing it, I think there are probably a couple things in here that you would really, really benefit from. So it may be oversimplifying, but give it a whirl. Let me know how it goes. Let's try and see what happens. The point of all of this is, is this. Let's not suffer from Teo syndrome. You know, awkwardly talking to someone long distance, primarily about ourselves, so that we never know who's actually on the other end of the conversation. Doesn't that sort of describe the prayer life of a lot of people? You know, instead, let's be a praying church that's filled with people who seek to have open lines of communication with God and a deep and vibrant relationship with him. Let's be in conversation with him through the power of the Holy Spirit. Let me sum it up for real this time with just a verse from Ephesians 4. Verses 4 through 8, and it should be on your notes. It says, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guide your, your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. And not unrelated, finally, brothers... Whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. If your mind was constantly focused on those things, wouldn't that all be an act of constant prayer? 
He goes on and says, What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you. Let me pray. God, we we give you praise because you're a God who desires open communication with us. We don't have to go to a specific place. We don't necessarily have to set aside a specific time. We don't have to say a specific set of words or go through some rigorous ritual. We can pray without ceasing by constantly being in conversation with you, being aware of the presence of your Holy Spirit in our lives, giving you praise and thanks and adoration, confessing our sin in confidence, knowing that you will forgive us, lifting up our brothers and sisters in prayer, and God asking that you would enlighten us and give us wisdom. And Lord, I pray that we would be a a prayerful church, a church that has a heart to be in communication with you. And I pray that we would be able to practically implement some of these things today through the power of your Holy Spirit. Amen. I'm going to ask you to stand, but I just wanted to encourage you as we go through this next time of worship, sing out and let's sing loudly to the Lord. I mean, I love that verse that Grady just shared uh, through singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart. It doesn't say making melody to the Lord with a perfect voice or in perfect harmony. It's with your heart. So let's respond to God with our hearts and make melody to him and sing loudly. So would you stand and let's join together.
Lord, we just thank you for that, that you have done such a great thing for us, that you died for us, Lord, and that it is finished, and that we can trust in you to deliver us from any fears, Lord, and just that you'll protect us and be our refuge. We thank you, Lord, for today, and we just pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, normally, we conclude our service with a uh, uh, just a brief benediction, but I'm going to ask you guys to take a seat. We have um, just a, a brief announcement, and I wrote it down because uh, because I don't want to blow it, um, and uh, I may shed some tears too. So, um, Mitch has decided to take a job with uh, another church in the area. He's going to be um, joining staff with Sun Valley Church. They're actually up in the Chandler area, but they have a plant out here in Casa Grande. And uh, Mitch has done some, he's gotten to know the pastor there actually through Baltimore, and they have uh, recruited him to go and help them with their church plant. And it is a wonderful opportunity. Obviously, you know, to be to be totally honest, I'm 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 sad and heartbroken, um, but I'm also you know filled with joy. It's it's one of those bittersweet moments where um, I believe that God has great things in store for him down the road. I'm sad they're not here at Maricopa Springs, but I'm also thrilled for him in the new opportunity. Um, so uh, I, I just want you guys to understand that there would be no Maricopa Springs without Mitch. And I'm, I'm including Stacy in this as well. Um, I've asked them to, to stay up here. Um, you know, there would be no Maricopa Springs without Mitch, without Stacy, without the Royers. Sorry. Um, if you've been around a while, you kind of, sorry, you kind of know our story. Um, how uh, I... I uh, asked Mitch to come and to help us plant this church here in Maricopa and Stacy as well and they didn't even know where Maricopa was nobody knew where Maricopa was <laughs> and, uh, and, and uh, you know of all the people that I asked and recruited to come and do this Mitch was the only one courageous enough to come and Stacy the only spouse crazy enough to come and uh, you know Mitch's role has primarily been um, behind the scenes as just an incredibly faithful servant in a way that uh, you don't get a whole lot of recognition or praise. You know, in some ways it's easy to be the, the lead pastor, the senior pastor, because you get to stand up in front of, in front of everybody every week and it's a very obvious what you're contributing. Um, but, you know, quite literally, there would be no Maricopa Springs without Mitch. Um, he made huge personal and financial sacrifices, both of them did, to be a part of this. Um, left a, uh, their family back east to come and be a part of this. Um, took huge personal and financial risks to be a part of this. Uh, did all the paperwork dealing with the IRS and the Arizona Corporation Commission, um, which is a ton of work. And, and worked tirelessly and bivocationally, you know, behind the scenes. I mean, here every morning at 8.30 to help set up. And um, I think he even turned down a couple family vacations because they, they, uh, they uh, didn't work with, you know, the, the way things flow here at Maricopa Springs. Um, and, and then, obviously, selfless. So, you know, I personally owe a huge debt of gratitude to Mitch and Stacy. Um, even if you're, you're new here this morning, you, you owe them a huge debt of gratitude as well because you wouldn't have even had this experience without them. Um, and obviously, I'm not forgetting Stacy in, in all 
of this. Uh, it's, it's a burden to be married to someone who chooses to do full-time ministry. And um, they've done all this, you know, uh, maintaining their marriage, having a newborn child, running uh, Mitch's own business. Stacy works full-time, so it's a, a pretty impressive um, feat that they've managed to accomplish. And, um, you know, again, my heart is filled with sadness in the transition, but also great joy. Um, I, I remember reading a passage that whenever God prunes, it's so that he can uh, cause new growth. And new growth in Mitch and, and potentially new growth here at Maricopa Springs, what we're, what we're praying for. So um, uh, I don't, you have a microphone. Does that mean you want to say yes, something? Okay. Uh, it's funny that you say the pruning because uh, when, we were, when we were kids, my parents owned uh, about three acres out in the country. We had three apple trees, four, four apple trees out there. And we'd never done it before. And my dad read a book about it. And one morning I come home from, one day I come home from school and all the trees are completely like almost shrubs. He, he completely trimmed everything to the point of extinction. And I go, dad, you ruined all our apple trees. And he's like, no, no, just trust me here. Uh, just trust me. You'll not believe the size of these apples next season. And so sure enough, here comes fall and these apples are the biggest I've ever seen them on these apple trees. And so we pick them and we made apple, apple cider kind of old school and it was pretty fun. So I thought, great, we're going to have apples like this for the rest of our lives. And, you know, winter rolls around, and I, I come home from school one afternoon, and there they are again, almost smaller than they were when he first trimmed them and pruned them. And, and I go, Dad, you we had the best apples you could ever imagine. And uh, sure enough, the, the uh, summer into the fall, biggest, best apples I've ever seen. And I think it kind of goes along with what we're experiencing now is my ministry has been a huge pruning process. And a lot of the times, especially in Maricopa Springs, I've felt like a stump. And both Grady and I have, have been pruned to that point, but I think the fruit uh, at Maricopa Springs especially is just going to be so amazing. Every single year we've seen growth in people, growth in numbers, growth as a church. Um, and I will always be Grady's friends. Well, that's, I will always have him as a friend. It's up to him if he wants to keep me as a friend. But uh, this is actually the first time Stacy's heard about this, too. So, no, it's not really. <laughs> tough crowd, tough crowd. We are also thinking about, uh, you know, a lot of the times you're like, well, I want to head off people at the past, especially that I have close relationships with. And so as I started thinking about all the people I wanted to tell what was going on so they wouldn't be surprised on Sunday, uh, the list was about this many people in the room. And I realized that's a good thing because of the relationships we built in Maricopa Springs. And uh, it's impossible to really put into words how much you guys have meant to us. And a lot of people that aren't here, how they've meant to us. And a lot of people that moved out of the state have meant to us and Grady. And uh, I love Grady very much. I love Leanne very much. And all their kids, they're our family here. You know, and you guys are our family. So we love you guys. And uh, thank you for being amazing. Please continue to grow Maricopa Springs the way it's going. So um, there's a couple things I want to do. I mean, first, I want to encourage you guys all to be praying for them as they make this transition. Um, it's happening pretty fast. So, uh, you know, we'll, we'll kind of keep you posted as, as, as things unravel. But it's possible that he could be making that transition as soon as this next Sunday. Um, so it's all kind of in the works. Um, the, the couple things I want to do, uh, first of all, is I want, I want to put together a Mitch and Stacy with our pictures in it and a brief uh, 
you know, thank you from each person who, who's willing to contribute. Um, logistically, this is going to be kind of tough to put together, but, but here's the way I want to do it. Out on the table out there, just outside of the door, is my digital camera. So um, as you're leaving, grab somebody. They don't, you don't have to know them, but have them take a, a close-up shot of you. And uh, I want to make sure that I get everybody's pictures. I'm going to print those out, and then next Sunday, we will have them um, in a book where you can write a thank you. You know, and again, even if you, you only casually know Mitch and Stacy, there, there is a huge amount of gratitude and debt that we owe them for their efforts. So I'd love to be able to hand that to them. Um, I, I think it'll be much more meaningful than just a check. You know, when you've invested three... I don't, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> when, when, you've, when you've invested three years of your life into something like this, I mean, it's hard to put a monetary value to that experience. And so I'd love for them to have a, a book where they can look back and look through the photos and the words of all the people that they've meaningful, meaningfully impacted. So please do that. Please don't forget. Grab that camera, snap a picture. The other thing that I want to do is I'm actually going to have Mitch and Stacy just stand right here in the middle, and I want to say a prayer of praise and thanksgiving for them and a blessing for them as they go off to this new venture. And I want you to actually get up out of your seat. If you can, reach and lay a hand on Mitch and Stacy. And if you can't put your own hand, then put a hand on somebody who's putting a hand on them. And let's say a prayer for them before we dismiss for the day, okay? So you guys get right here, front and center. Jesus, we do give you so much praise and thanks for Mitch and Stacy. We, we worship you for their involvement in our church, for the investments that they made in the lives of all the people in this room and so many others, Lord, who, for whatever reason, have had to move out of Maricopa. And um, we thank you for all of their selfless personal sacrifices for your kingdom cause. We give you praise for all of that. And, um, God, I, I pray that, that uh, these last three years would truly be a legacy that they've left here in Maricopa Springs, that the foundation they helped us build here would be one on which you can build a, a, a strong and lasting church. And I thank you for their personal friendships. I thank you for um, all of their efforts. I thank you for their tireless work, their prayers, um, just their entire contribution. We give you praise, so much praise for all of that. And we pray, too, that, that their lives, having invested in this ministry, would touch others and would go forth from there, uh, again, to produce that incredible legacy. And we lift them up in prayer. We pray that you would bless their family. We pray that you would help them to navigate the, the difficulties of transitions like this. We pray that you would continue to open doors of opportunity for them. We pray that you would bless this church that they're going to be a part of that they would have a myriad of other names and, and phone numbers of people that they know and love whose lives they've impacted and touched. And we pray that Fiona would grow up to love you with all of her heart because of the investment that her parents make in her life. And uh, we just pray huge, huge blessings on Mitch and Stacy and their continued ministry. And we are eternally grateful to you for allowing them to be a part of this ministry and allowing us to have these relationships with them and to know them. And it's in your, your great and wonderful name that we, we pray all this. Amen. Amen. All right. You are officially dismissed. Hugs and kisses for Mitch and Stacy. Please, please take... Um, oh, and, and we also to take the offering. So if you came prepared, you can drop that in the basket on your way out. And then please take a picture for Mitch and Stacy, a nice close-up, so that we can get it on a piece of paper and you can, you can write uh, goodbyes on there. <laughs>